Welcome to another episode of Empowering You, focusing on fine-tuning and owning your voice, as well as asserting yourself as a powerful woman, a podcast filled with personal stories and real-world examples that can be applied immediately. It's a new day. Own your voice and embrace you with your host, Shantara Chapman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Empowering You, a podcast about helping you to own your voice, take control of who you are, and to live authentically. And today, I'm really excited because we have a very special guest today. Her name is Danej Broom. Did I say that properly? I did right. <laughs> I could hear that hesitation, but you got it. Yeah, I had to think for a moment. I, I, you know, as I said, I want to make sure that I get your name right. But um, welcome to the podcast, Danej. Thank you for having me. Um, how about for all of the listeners that, you know, don't know who you are, how about you kind of give them an overview of who you are and um, how they may know you? Okay, well, they may know me um, as a reporter and fill an anchor at Box 26 in Houston. I have been here for about two years, but in the industry for more than 10. So I got here right before Hurricane Harvey. So you might have seen me out in Dickinson when it was flooded and I was reassessing my life decisions <laughs> moving to Houston. <laughs> I had just finished unpacking all of my boxes right when Harvey hit. So I, you know, came in and learned everything very quickly about Houston. But yeah, so that's how people might know me. I have been, like I said, in journalism for more than 10 years now. And it kind of takes you different jobs around the country and you just kind of move around until you find a fit that you like. And so, so far so good in Houston. So let me ask you, was journalism the the plan from the very beginning or did this uh, this career become something that, you know, kind of was a door you walked through and then another door and before you knew it, wow, bam, you're on television. That last version is really the best way to describe it. <laughs> There's been no clear path to getting me here. When I was younger, actually, I thought there were a couple of things. There was becoming a doctor okay. that I kind of thought that might be where I was going to go. And that was really more so, and I figured it out later in life, but that was something that was really fed to me from my mom. You know, she said, you're so smart and you're, you're so smart. You have to be a doctor. You know, that was kind of the only train of thought at that point was, okay, I'm smart. I'm going to be a doctor. A doctor. <laughs> so I had, right. That's what mom said. So that's, that must make sense and be right. So I'd actually been doing a lot of advanced courses in high school. I did AP classes. I did dual enrollment at a college in Orlando because I went to school. I grew up in central Florida when I was in high school. And so I was doing all of that and going really hard. And I think it was my junior year of high school. I remember having a conversation with my dad saying, dad, I don't know how to tell you that I don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> and it dawned on me. I said, I don't like this. I don't, I don't like this biology. I, I can do it, but I am not liking this. And if this is going to be the rest of my life, I'm not feeling this. And so he actually gave me some really good advice at that point because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I didn't want to be a doctor. And he said, well, sometimes making decisions comes down to just figuring out what you don't want to do. And you just kind of shift from there. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I was about 15 or 16, and I made the shift of, mm, don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. So from there, you know, I went off to school at 17. I went to Florida State in Tallahassee, Florida. 
And I still wasn't really sure what it was I wanted to do, but just kind of looking through all of the options for majors and the different schools, the only thing that really kind of jumped out at me and where I didn't think I'd be bored to tears was the School of Communication, that and theater. My mom also shot down theater. <laughs> I, I, growing up, I, I either wanted to be a doctor or Rudy Huxtable, so you, you kind of see which way we uh, went there. Right. So I started with the School of Communication, and... I just really started enjoying it. I enjoyed the classes, and there were some hands-on classes where I was able to write and do on-air reporting, and we would team up with an editor. And so by about my sophomore or junior year, I can't remember which. Man, it's funny how time starts to blur. We were able to get some live on-air experience with our football games because Florida State's a huge football school, Mm -hmm. and I could do some ESPNU sideline color commentary reporting live. And I was given the opportunity to do that, and that kind of solidified for me that I wanted to do live TV, certainly in some form or fashion. And so while I was still in school, I started producing on a morning show in the Tallahassee area. It was for the CBS station in Tallahassee. And so I did that for about a year and a half and got incredibly burnt out because news, it's news. And in the industry, you know, we kind of understand that burnout goes with it. But I was, I think, 20 at that time and was still a full-time student. And just, I looked around the newsroom and I felt like people were crazy. I said, well, you all are crazy. You are a crazy (laughs) bunch, you news people. I don't know if this is what I want from my life. So when I graduated, I knew one thing for sure that I did want was to be fluent in Spanish by the time I was 25. So I said, well, I don't know about this news thing. Like I said, these people are crazy, but I want to be fluent in Spanish. So I found a job through the Spanish government and where I could teach English in the bilingual school system there and get paid for it. And so that's what I did. I just took off and didn't do news and went to Spain. I lived in Madrid. I was teaching English, and I loved being around the kids. I know that my calling is not a teacher, though, so shout out to any teachers who might be listening because I think it is truly a calling, and it's not mine. And it's not mine either. (laughs) It is not mine. Um, But they were so cute. Those little kids were so cute, and they gave me so much energy and took it all away at the same time. But I really enjoyed that year. I became fluent in Spanish and traveled Europe and the world, and I wouldn't change it for anything. But... I ended up having that real big girl moment about a year or so later because I was given a potential job opportunity to be my first on-air position or go back to Spain for a second year with the program and continue gallivanting around Europe. And I made the decision to come back to the States. Now, mind you, I didn't have the job. It was just that this was now an opportunity. And I said, well, you know, I know timing can be everything with this. I don't want to miss out on it. So I came back. I was staying with my parents in Orlando at this point, and I didn't even get the job. Mm. You want to talk about somebody who is upset. Oh, boy. I gave up Madrid, Spain, to come back and then they even get the job. Oh, my mom was tired of me. I was about I was to say, <laughs> your mama was real. She was looking oh, all kinds of crazy man. at you. And when I say she was tired of me, I mean, my parents have always been very supportive. So I'm incredibly thankful for that. But I was on her bed so distraught. 
And I know she was thinking, Jesus, just please help my baby because I am too tired to deal with her right now. Yeah, I can deal with her. <laughs> I was every level of dramatic that I can be. <laughs> and so she saw all of it. So it was really hard. I was so disappointed. And my dad said, listen, you know, it, it's okay. My dad is very solution-oriented, as I know a lot of parents, especially the fathers, can be. And he said, listen. Try see if you can get back to Spain if you need to. You know, the school year hasn't started. Call them up. See if they're willing to take you. I know you turned them down, but they might say yes. I said, okay, let me try that. And kind of in that process, about two weeks later, I got a call from the same station that I hadn't gotten the first shot from. A second position opened up. And so they were calling to offer me that one. So Mm. it was about a two-week delay or so. Okay. And I said, all right, okay, all right. So then I am moving to Valdosta, Georgia. Have you heard of Valdosta, Georgia? No, no, I haven't. Exactly, exactly. Most people have it. <laughs> it's like five people there? <laughs> about, about five. Um, it is on I-75, and most people really only know Valdosta. If maybe you drive to Atlanta and you need gas, mm. that's how you know Valdosta. <laughs> leaving Florida, going to Georgia. So I moved to Valdosta. That was my first on-air experience. I was shooting my own video, writing my stuff, doing my on-camera stuff, editing all of my video. It's what they call in the business a one-man band or an MMJ. And it was very work-intensive and exhausting, but I was excited because it was my first opportunity to be on air. And then about eight months after that, I was promoted to weekend morning anchor and reporter. So I got to move down to the big city of Tallahassee and did that for about three and a half years. And then I moved back to Orlando to work for WFTV, the ABC, ABC affiliate in Orlando. So I got a job there. So that was a really big market size jump. In news, things go based on market size. And so at the time, Tallahassee might have been about market 106. And the highest market is one. That's New York. So 106 to market 18, which is Orlando, was a really big jump. So that was a big time for me to try to figure out what the heck I was doing. (laughs) Because I was working with people who were much more advanced, much more experienced, and I was having to learn the ropes very quickly. But it was great. And I loved my time in Orlando as well. I grew a lot professionally, personally. And that was a very solid four and a half years. And then moved to Houston. You know, I kind of felt like, at least at that point in my life, that that station and Orlando had kind of run its course for me. Mm -hmm. So I continued looking and trying to find other places where I could still grow professionally and personally and just always still kind of looking for that growth. So I found this position in Houston and that's how we got here. It's a long story to get there. Probably gonna have to edit a lot of it down because we only have so much time. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's great. I love the story to hear people's journey because in the social media world, people think everything is overnight. Right. And so I love right. to hear people talk about how, you know, what's brought them to the career that they're in and possibly even how long it took. And when I think about the the work that you do, being in journalism, being on television, the way we see you, I don't believe that a lot of people understand the work that goes into being that, that personality on air. All of the, we may see you on TV for, you know, 15, 20 minutes or maybe even less, depending on what you're reporting on, but there may have been tons of hours of work 
that went into that story that you're reporting and that production that goes on for the news. And I believe that's the part that, you know, people take for granted or they underestimate. So when I talk to young women about their career choices, it's always about the part that no one sees mm-hmm. the journey to get there. Oh, news is far from glamorous. <laughs> it's so funny when I didn't get into it for the glamour, fortunately, otherwise I would have been out of it very quickly. I have always really enjoyed storytelling and making somebody feel. I, I, I tell the story a lot to you of when I was in the eighth grade. This was before I knew I actually wanted to do journalism, obviously, but I was in an audiovisual class and I made a video for my parents and my dad cried and I loved that. I said, oh my gosh, I was able to make him cry with this video. This is awesome. I loved being able to evoke emotion. And as sick as it sounds, I really enjoyed that. And so I enjoy that part of storytelling. I like leaving people with some sort of feeling, whether it's anger, whether it's enlightenment, whether it's happiness, sadness. So fortunately, I got into it for the right reasons. But you're right. People don't necessarily know everything that goes into it. We work a lot of long hours. I get up at 2 o'clock in the morning because Mm. I work on our morning show. So I go to sleep very early. I have to say no to a lot of social things. And I work holidays and weekends and in the middle of storms. And it's not pretty. We don't have hair, makeup done for us. We don't have wardrobe. We (laughs) There are a lot of things that people think they know that go into it. And you're right. It there are a lot of unseens in what we do and a lot of other industries as well that might seem glamorous on the surface. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, again, people just see, you know, what's on TV or what's on the, on social media and they think that's just it. And it's mm-hmm. just so much extra. So, you know, as you've been able to climb, you know, and, you know, and and climb the market ladder and and climb the ladder in your career, what obstacles have you had to face? Have you been in a situation where you had to fight for yourself to, for your voice to be heard? Oh, Ah, I think that's a yes. (laughs) It's always a fight. It is a constant fight. You know, there are a lot of people who want to be on TV and not enough spots for all of them. So that's already kind of one dynamic TV news in particular. It's, it's very subjective. You know, there it's not, there's not necessarily a math test or a writing test per se that will just ultimately weed people out. It isn't just the paper resume. We have resume tapes where people watch you and decide, do I like her look? Do I Mm -hmm. like her sound? Do I like her writing style? So you can be really great at your job and have experience, but it just might be a subjective opinion that they don't want you for that specific position that you're going after. So that's already kind of one hurdle that in general in news we deal with all the time. And then just the realities of being an employee, you know, we don't always get those opportunities that you necessarily want. So at that point, you kind of have to position yourself to say, okay, is this still in my best interest? Am I still growing here? Is this now maybe a time for me to pivot and reevaluate my location, my station, my desires? And there are just always those hurdles. There really are. Um, 
And that's oftentimes why, you know, you'll see people move around in news is because there has been some sort of hurdle. Either it's the market that they don't really care for that they decided to say, "Mm, never mind, I'm going to go ahead and leave. Or it might be some sort of dynamic at the station where they said, you know what? This place is cool, but I'm ready to go and move on and try to figure something else out. In news, in also in general, I mean, we hear so many no's <laughs> just on the job, even on a daily basis when we're working. We have to go out and try to get interviews, and we'll get doors slammed in our faces. Sometimes nice no's. You know, people might say it nicely, <laughs> but at the end of the day, we still have to get that interview and figure out a way to go about that. Um And it's just that constant working through those hurdles because at the end of the day, our bosses want the story and we have a tight deadline. We'll start a story at, say, 9 o'clock in the morning and it has to be on air for 5. So we have a very quick turnaround and got to make it happen. So it's just moving forward, not wallowing in the know. You just got to keep going, trying to figure it out. It's, you know, problem solving. Right. We got to figure something out. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, very early on, even when I started the podcast about this podcast being about helping women to own their voice, to, um, to really be able to define who they are and how they want to be heard. That's what this podcast empowering you is about. So in your opinion, how important do you feel it is for women to own their voices, not just necessarily in in your industry, but just as a whole personally and professionally? Oh, it's incredibly important. And I think now more people are becoming aware of that. I feel with all of the movements we're seeing and so many people now feeling a bit more comfortable as well because there were plenty of people before us who kind of paved that way to allow us to feel more comfortable in that. So I do think it's very important, but I also think in that to own your voice, you have to know your own power and you have to understand that not only does, does your voice carry weight, but what is your voice? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has a voice but what is yours and it does take a lot of self-reflection to try to figure that out and I think it even changes over the years you know just like kind of our dreams and our goals might change I think sometimes you have to sit back and kind of reevaluate okay well I was doing this for a little while because this is what I wanted but maybe that's not what I want anymore so let me kind of reevaluate that and I think the stronger you are in knowing what you want and how you plan to kind of go after that, it only strengthens your voice and you feel more empowered to be able to share it. Because I think a lot of people understand that they do have a voice, but if they don't know how to use it or what it is they want to say with it, then that can be just as detrimental as having so much to say and not feeling that you have the voice. Yeah. And so you just kind of gave the perfect, the perfect segue into, um, you know, kind of the conversation or the, the, how I typically will close out the podcast, which is really talking about that exact same thing. Um, I wrote a book entitled Empowering You 12 Tips for Finding Your Voice. And in that book, it talks about being able to kind of define who you are and understand what your voice is. Also understanding the, um, the events or the life events that have gone on in your life that may allow your voice to change. 
And before you can say that you have this particular voice and try to go out and own it, you have to, you know, really understand the nuances of it and what has changed, why has it changed, and if that's the way you want it to go. And so I, with this book, 12 Tips for Finding Your Voice, it really is to work through each tip once a month. So you can have a year of self-reflection on your voice. Sometimes things change because something happens throughout in the middle of, you know, something crazy happens. You twitch, switch jobs, you leave corporate America, you get married, all of those things. You have a baby. All of those things change who you are and it affects how we present ourselves out to the world. And so um, with this book, Empowering You, uh, ladies get to really think about those things and write it down. It's very much a workbook style book. And it's been able to um, so far change so many women that I've talked to that have used it to just kind of hone in on their voice a little bit more or redefine or change. And so what you just said was just absolutely perfect because that's what it is. That's what this book is about. And that's really kind of life. And I don't think people, we don't think about it. It just happens. You know, these are things that typically just happen. Oh, well, you know, I had a baby and now I no longer think this way. I think that way. And we don't think about that. Our voices are changing. We also sometimes don't think about the fact that we're losing our voice in certain areas because it just happens. It's a gradual thing. It's part of life, whether um, you're in a situation at work that you don't like and you just decided you're not going to say anything before long. Mm-hmm. You're the person that's no longer speaking up in your meetings. You're just mm-hmm. going to work to go to work. <laughs> and right. you're like, hey, this is no longer me. This is not me. What happened to me? Well, you started to not engage. You started to not speak up. And now you become the person that's kind of non-existent in the office. So that this podcast, this discussion really that we've had has been all about, you know, what has been your voice, but also for some of the um, ladies that are listening, hopefully they can take away from it, you know, pieces where they are able to understand what their voice is or how their voice has changed throughout their journey. And that's really what I've been uh, driving to with this podcast and also with this book. So I thank you so much for spending some time with us, for talking about it and for sharing your, your unique journey to where you are today. Thank you. And I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. You know, I, I think one thing that I've learned, I've been trying to do, you know, much more self-reflection as well lately. And you just don't even always realize it. You know, we're so busy. We are such busy people, almost no matter what you do, who you are, everybody's just so busy. And I've equated it to at some point you get on a train and you just put your head down and you wake up years later and you said, wait, where am I? I, I completely missed out on this train ride. I don't even know if this mm-hmm. is where I was supposed to be flying right now. What is happening? And I do think those check-ins are so important with ourselves because the last thing you do want to do is just wake up on a train and not have noticed the journey and possibly be at a destination you really were not wanting to be at anymore. But we just get so busy and it's hard. Yeah. So it's, it's hard really to take those moments to get, you know, to take ourselves off of cruise control mm-hmm. and, you know, really pay attention to the way we're going. And so it's, it's a conscious effort. We have to be very intentional about doing it. It is. So um, that's all I have for today. I want to thank everyone for listening in on Empowering You. I, I hope you 
found some great nuggets that you can take back, some lessons that you can use uh, in your journey. Thank you to Danae Broom for talking to us, for sharing her sharing your journey. We really appreciate you taking some time, knowing that you get up very early in the morning. So we appreciate it. <laughs> and um, until next week, I will say... Thank you very much for listening, and I appreciate you guys so very much. Go out and like this podcast on Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud. Um, download the um, the the ebook that we have on our website, Empowering You. That's E M P O W H E R I N G Y O U dot com. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>